Hey guys, before we get into today's show uh, highlighting Josh Daly's top 10 running backs, I want to acknowledge uh, the Black Lives Matter movement right now. Um, it is a monumental time in our society that we need to look at, listen with open ears, and understand that not a lot has changed since the civil rights movement in the 60s um, and that it needs to on a global scale but specifically in the United States of America that's what's going on right now it is a movement and I want to acknowledge that I support that movement I was born in 1988 the riots in LA happened in 91 after the Rodney King incident and here we are now at George Floyd, and so many more have taken place inside that time frame. So I want to acknowledge that and say that here at The Hot Take, we do support the Black Lives Matter movement. You are now listening to The Hot Take Podcast, brought to you by Full-Time Fantasy. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daddy. Time to make it hot. All right, let's get Josh in here. What's up, Josh? I uh, We just did the top 10 running backs, obviously, with Michael Hall. We're going to get to your top 10 here shortly. How you doing, brother? I'm uh, doing fantastic, man. Always happy to uh, be on the pod with you, my friend, and talking with, uh, you know, our guests and uh, I want to say thanks to uh, Mr. Hoff for joining the show and excited to talk some running backs and maybe a little best ball chatter here. Yeah, it's cool because now we'll be able to get dedicate this uh, time to your top 10 um, in its own episode. Um, but what we've been wanting to talk about best ball uh, in one of these episodes, we haven't gotten around to it. We've had so much to talk about with the uh, hot take beat the pros uh, dynasty league and you know the things that we've been doing with that so we're going to talk about best ball before we get into your top 10 running backs and you were talking off air about Jarvis Landry and we were just like thinking about Jarvis Landry I don't think there's been one year where it's like oh he's probably going too high I mean I don't I can't remember when I've said that about <laughs> Jarvis Landry right he's oh, perpetually underdrafted in fantasy football and in best ball that's not even a receiver that you're considering because what do we talk about in best ball? We want those volatile receivers, the boomer bust guys, the ones that you don't have to rely on every week, but you also have to pair them with the consistent guys. So talk to me about Jarvis Landry, what your thought process was uh, today in one of your best ball drafts. Yeah. Doing uh, over on the next fan up podcast, have a uh, best ball draft that we were kind of participating. A lot of us super fans were going through this today and, you know, Jarvis Landry is a guy that I just, I love the consistency, man. Like I love the safe floor. He's the complete opposite of Odell Beckham. And it's, it's just really intriguing because like in this particular roster build, I'm drafting at the turn. So I had the first pick. Uh, so of course I took CMC and we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but you know, you get around to like that six, seven turn and man, I already have three wide receivers on my team. And I can't believe that Josh Allen and Hunter Henry are there. And then with this particular squad, I just, I don't have a quarterback or a tight end yet. So right. for me, it, it was kind of a, it was kind of like a, it would have been a poor decision for me personally to take Jarvis Landry, but I almost regretted seeing when he was on there on the clock. And I know you, we were talking, you looked this up earlier, his uh, average ADP is like the 703 right, right now. And for me, I already have Godwin, Ridley, and Juju. Um, you know, and I mean, no matter what receiver you're taking there, like in the second round, if you have, you know, Galladay or something like that, um, this, this build where I have three wide receivers, I was so tempted to take yeah. a fourth with Landry. Right. But I had already used so much draft capital on wide receiver uh, that I kind of regretted it. And I wish I would have probably went a little more running back heavy because – I just feel like 
when you have a roster that's largely made up of these boomer bus guys, um, you know, whether you're getting guys like Robbie Anderson, who's kind of been a best ball darling, um, you know, Ty Freak, who's obviously like, you know, the ideal best ball uh, receiver, um, you know, guys in the past, like Brandon Cooks that have kind of shown out Kenny Stills, guys that really pay off and guys that you go after late, um, you know, even like Deshaun Jackson and those types. I mean, Jarvis Landry is like the perfect yin to that yang. I mean, he just feels like he's going to balance your roster out and he's going to be there every week when maybe only one of those guys spikes for you. So um, for me, he's just, he's just the portrait of consistency. And I, and I kind of thought that it would be nice to add him to this roster. And, you know, in the end, I basically did end up taking, you know, the tight end and the, and the quarterback. So I wasn't kind of on the outside looking in. Cause I mean, you know how it is when you're at the turn, my friend, you, yeah. uh, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't get, uh, some of your way. guys, Oh yeah. You, you never know. You could, you could miss out on uh, all the quarterbacks or all the tight ends before you know it. So, um, plus, you know, we talked about it before when you're in that area where it's like, um, you know, Hunter Henry and, uh, Evan Ingram, uh, you know, that's right after that. I mean, maybe Gronk is an option, but it gets a little scary, but I mean, dude, just, you know, the, he's going to get you 80 catches no matter what. And even last year, you know, he had 83 grabs in what was probably one of the worst offenses that we've seen. I mean, um, you know, the Steelers and the Browns, man, were just like the portrait of futility last year. And I think a lot of that was Freddie Kitchens not wanting to turn some of the play calling over to Todd Monken. Um, you know, why would you want to tur- turn the turn that duty over to, to a creative offensive mind like that? But, you know, right. he's, go- he's gone over 110 catches twice in his career. Um, you know, most, most recently in 2017 is last year in Miami. But, I mean, these Miami teams weren't great. Um, so, you know, he's been doing this on bad teams for a while. So it's, it's not out of the, he's not, he's not one of those guys that's going to put up like 13 or 1400 yards, but you know, his, his knock, you, you probably remember this going into that 2017 season, you know, the knock was, Oh, he just doesn't score enough. Oh, he never gets into the end zone. You know, and he was right. only scoring like four or five touchdowns a year. And then he puts up a nine, nine touchdown season with the 112 grabs. I mean, dude, who wouldn't Monster want that season? Monster yeah, and then season. and but Steve going into the 2018 drafts, and <laughs> he was still nope. going. Yep. Matt, yeah, still getting disrespected, and right. it's and it's kind of like that repeatedly. So, I mean, I just feel like seventh round, you know, he's sitting there for you. I mean, the guy's pretty much as long as he's going to be on the field, which you know that's the other thing. The guy is just an iron man. I mean, he plays every game, right. and it sounds like he got that hip surgery and uh, everything kind of taken care of. Uh, relatively early so he really wouldn't have to worry about being ready in time uh, which you love to see so I mean hey if I can get him you know seventh round 80 catches in the bank I'm all about that so he's going this wide receiver 31 like you mentioned and coming off of that (laughs) first uh, uh, season with Cleveland in 2018 um, he had a similar season to this past year um but he was the wide receiver 19. He had 81 catches around the same uh, reception total, mm-hmm. uh, but about 200 less yards and two less touchdowns. Uh, yeah. So that's wide receiver 19 compared to what he did last year in PPR, which was wide receiver 12. Um, so if you were coming off of this wide receiver 19 season and being drafted as the wide receiver 31, that still would be underdrafted technically, right? I mean – but right. I could at least understand it. But no, he's coming off of a wide receiver one season in PPR, wide receiver 12 overall, and still just being disrespected. It's early. Uh, we're still in May. I think in August that'll go up a little bit, but it's not going to be wide receiver 12. It might not even be wide receiver 20 um, off the board. So um, in, in best ball, you know, I hear what you're saying because he plays every game. That's huge uh, in best ball you know, because you're going to get a solid floor and at least a body in every game. Now, to go along with those three receivers that you mentioned earlier and Godwin, Juju, and Ridley, oh, yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, you're talking about that turn, Josh. I, I definitely hear you. It's, it's tough. Most of the time you want to get in front of a run than at the end of a run. So if you have to take that tight end, you feel like um, I hear what you're saying in that regard, and that's a choice. But you can go the other direction and say, you know, I don't want to be forced into that, right? 
and I want to get the best player available. What's going to make my team really take that next level where I'm elite at this one position and I know that. And that's when you take Jarvis Landry there probably if you're thinking about it that way. Um, of course, you know, if you're, you're going to miss out on tight end if three, four go in that, in that long, you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's the give and take with fantasy. But I think both are viable. It just depends on what you want to do. In best ball, sometimes you might lean the other way. And I know that, and that's what you're saying. You're going to get in that buyer's remorse, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, when you, when you kind of weigh the options, if I wasn't so loaded at receiver, I, right. I would have absolutely pulled the trigger. But with the, with the way that this draft board played out, I mean, I, I have Josh Allen, you know, as, as the, the first quarterback in my kind of third tier of quarterback ranks. And, yep. I mean, that second tier is still a very expensive investment. You know, you're looking at guys like, um, you know, Dak and, and guys like, um, you know, Matt, Matt Ryan went in front of Josh Allen, which I understand that's a potent offense, and I would have loved to have Matt Ryan as well. But um, to have some of that rushing upside and that those rushing touchdowns with Josh Allen, I just felt like that was too – too hard to pass up. So, you know, oh, yeah. for me, it was, it was tough. I, and just, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not fully buying into a uh, Gronk having a major, uh, you know, major uh, year after, you know, coming back from a year off. So it, he did go seven picks later though. I mean, he just went a few picks after Landry did. So um, uh, I read somewhere on Twitter today, it might've been I don't want to. I don't want to state the resource right now and not uh, <laughs> and not be correct. Um, but I saw somewhere someone projected Rob Gronkowski for 999 yards. Um, Interesting. Would you, would you say uh, over or under 999? Um, man, I'd probably have to say under. Yeah. I mean, if you when you look at, I mean, that's a first of all, they, they haven't traded OJ Howard yet. So, I would, yeah, you got to take that under all day if that was a bet. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a super crowded tight end room. Not to mention you have my boy Godwin and then Mike Evans there right. on on both ends. So it, that's a lot of people to feed. And you know, I know that they're probably going to you know distribute some targets to the backfield as well. I mean, I, they yeah. don't really have a clear a clear pass catching back there. And the thing um, is with Gronk, uh, you know, I could just picture like. 560 yards and 10 touchdowns right <laughs> right see and that's that's kind of what i'm thinking more more like 690 yards and six touchdowns you know? right you know <laughs> something like that like where he's it's a low yeah because that's gonna be he this guy retired from the league i don't think they want him doing george kittle stuff they want him just catching touchdowns you know um yeah. and, and i think that uh brady's definitely going to use him of course on third down um he's gonna have a role i, I just can't see in a, a thousand yard season uh it depends though because the only way that happens is if things really just open up for this offense and it is really next level like we're talking about historic type of offense from Bruce Arians you know and I mean that's the only way that would happen in my opinion yeah and I and it just if there wasn't three good tight ends there in Tampa I mean Cameron Brait's still capable yeah. uh, so it's you know if there wasn't that going on I just don't think I just think there's too there's too many people trying to get a, a piece of the pie there right now until they move one of those tight ends or you know they could cut Bray I think the the cap hits pretty minimal on his deal but um you know, moving Howard seems like the most probable. We have heard whispers of that, so it's um, it's yeah, something that's most probably of those not whispers. Happen. Most of those whispers coming from us. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about it every episode. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. We still uh, still would have loved to have seen that OJ Howard for David Johnson trade. That would have been fantastic. But well, yeah, uh, can't, can't you blame Steve Kime for taking the deal he got though. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, right? And well, but then you could have always said the infamous OJ for DJ trade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it would have worked out great for both teams, in my opinion. But I don't know. I don't want to use the term position scarcity. But when my options were Hunter Henry or Gronk uh, or the field, um, you know, as my tight end one in best ball, I just I love Jarvis Landry, but man, I'm not not comfortable rolling with. Uh, you know, Gronk or the field uh, right. for my, for my tight end. So it is what it is, brother. Well, let's get into these top 10 running backs. Um, my number one running back was Christian McCaffrey and PPR. I assume that is yours as well. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I've seen, uh, on fantasy pros consensus that, uh, you know, there has been a couple people that have ranked him number two. I'm not, not sure what kind of witchcraft that is, but, um, <laughs> I mean, the only thing I'll say is, you know, a Teddy ball game coming into the picture. I mean, he's, he's that low a dot guy, seven yards of pass attempt. I mean, that's his game. It's, you know, you, you coming off 107 and 116 catches out of the backfield. I, that Teddy Bridgewater comes in as like a bona fide game manager. I just don't see how CMC is not the number one in a PPR format. There's, there's really nothing left to talk about with CMC. I mean, I know you guys discussed as well, so Let's move on to to number two, uh, who I have as Saquon, and is that how is that how you guys shook out as well? Uh, I think that Michael had Saquon at two. I had Zeke. Okay, yeah, and see, I have Zeke at three. Yep. Um, you know the the Giants' offense is looking up. Say what you want about you know Dave Gettleman and uh, you know maybe the way he's constructing his team but I mean hey it's he's he's doing a decent job and I think that offense is on its way up and you know 100 plus targets completely reasonable uh, and 250 plus carries I mean as long as he can stay healthy I think Saquon's definitely a great PPR threat and I just think he's maybe going to be factored into the passing game slightly slightly more than Zeke but at the same time I mean these guys are like so close to being tied for two because with Zeke, you know, that's a pure volume play, man. I mean, he's going to get those 300 carries. I mean, pretty much anyway, you slice it. Zeke's going to, as long as he plays, you know, the 16 game schedule, I mean, he's right. going to have a top well, five season, no matter what, yeah. like he's, he's not going to fail. And we were talking about the 70 targets that he's getting. Um, it was nice to see him get 70 targets, you know, because the previous year, I think he had something like it was closer to 80. Um, and we were like, wow, can he sustain that volume? And then he gets 70. So, I mean, even if Zeke gets 60, you know, you're happy with the volume. We love 70 targets from for Zeke, but you're happy with that kind of volume. And it's the same with uh, Saquon Barkley in his rookie years, 120 targets, um, which was tremendous. I mean, like if you're going to get 120 targets a year, uh, especially if you're the talent of Saquon Barkley, you have to be considered as the running back one. My kind of thing, and, you know, we're – nitpicking because two and three Saquon and Zeke um, is pretty, pretty uh, universal between the three of us, you, me and Michael um, can Barkley sustain that, that workload in the passing game and Daniel Jones. I'm not sure if we've seen that yet. So I think he averaged something like five and a half targets per game with, uh, with Daniel Jones. So that, you know, projected out to a full season, that's, you're going to be happy with that. So if that could, if that can happen, then yeah, he, he could, maybe even beat out Christian McCaffrey that that would be the discussion at that point if he's getting targeted like that again yeah I mean there's no question they're going to feed Zeke I know they drafted CD Lamb and they have you know a trio of stud receivers there um you know very loaded but I mean that's how that's how you keep it balanced and you know the the bonus if you will that um you know Jason Garrett has left town I don't know how much that's neutralized by the fact that, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy has stepped in, yeah. um, you know, they kind of, a lot of similarities there between those two and their right. offensive, uh, offensive woes or, uh, you know, shortcomings, if you will. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it seems like it's pretty strand, standard across the board. Like he's going to want to feature Zeke no matter what. Um, I really don't see, you know, a lot of people are talking about Tony Pollard, but I, I, it's not going to matter when it comes to Zeke's workload. Yeah, and that's that's the one thing I was going to say is may, maybe that's the only reason Zeke finishes maybe like just down the down the rung a little bit. Maybe he finishes as like RB5 because, you know, Pollard does get a little more run. I mean, that's one of the things that Rodgers was so pissed off about McCarthy was he just wouldn't give Aaron Jones the damn ball. And they kept, you know, siphoning carries off Jamal Williams and, um, you know, <laughs> They would even do that where they'd give like John Kuhn a carry or two back in the day. So, um, but they, that's oh, just yeah. kind of one of the things that McCarthy has always done. So maybe he does lean a little more, uh, you know, heavily, maybe, but still, I mean, I can't see it being more than like an 80 20 split. I mean, that even seems kind of right. ridiculously heavy for what we've seen. You're right. Yeah. And you know, Zeke can handle it too. That's the thing is, you know, Zeke right. can handle it. He's done that repeatedly. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty obvious that he's a, he's a pure volume guy. That's going to keep him you know, way up towards the top of those RB rankings for sure. 
Um, so three, I had Barkley, and then you had Zeke. And then who was your fourth running back? Yes, this is a tough one for me. I ended up going with Kamara over Joe Mixon because um, Kamara just wasn't fully healthy last season. He's said that. Sean Payton has said that. I do think there's a big bounce back coming, but then you go and you look at the fact that he's hauled in 81 catches, which is weird. Exactly 81 catches the last three seasons. I mean, he's been extremely consistent. So if you're telling me that Kamara in his third season in this offense was not fully healthy last year, and he even missed a couple games. Um, and we saw Latavius Murray absolutely ball out in those games, but that's pretty good, man. I mean, if Kamara's catching 81 balls while he's missing time and bit and beat up, uh, then I, I'm glad that he's already come out and said he feels great and you know, 100 percent. So, a full I think a fully healthy Kamara in this offense just gave him the nod over Mixon for me because I do expect Mixon to be a complete beast in this offense. I do think that the Bengals offense will be much more improved. Uh, you know, with that Joe Brady, uh, Joe, Joe Burrow action, you know, Joe, <laughs> Joe Burrow can definitely trust a guy like Joe Mixon coming out of yep. the backfield. But I think it's just the, you have a rookie leading one offense and you have a first ballot hall of famer leading the other offense. And he's shown you know, repeatedly that he's going to dump the ball off to Camara time and time again, when things get a little hot and heavy. So that's the only reason that I have Camara above Mixon is I just think there's a little experience factor there. I love that you're framing this as Camara over Mixon, and you haven't even mentioned Dalvin Cook. Oh no, no, and uh, and I'll get to him in in a moment. But, uh, but <laughs> obviously, no, yeah, I I think, uh, and I don't know. I just I have I have some concerns there, but yeah, no, that's Mixon, great. I mean, like for for me, uh, the way I, I'm looking at it is that there's that first tier of McCaffrey, Zeke, Saquon, and I put Dalvin Cook in that tier. So. I originally had Kamara where you have him, which would have been really interesting, but I, I, I moved him back one and I put Cook in that, in that range because of the 250 plus carries. And, um, but I do believe with Kamara, because I have him at five right behind you, that, yeah, I mean, the 81 catches you'd love to see. You're going to give a playmaker like this 80 catches um, for, you know, and, this is how they use him. They give him that kind of work in the passing game. Um, I think this is going to be a big year for the Saints. I said it earlier. I think, you know, Drew Brees, he doesn't have many more years. I mean, this could be the last one. I'm looking at the Saints to have a huge season um, with behind Michael Thomas and behind Kamara. And if that happens, yeah, I mean, he, again, uh, uh, like the guys that we've talked about so far, he could even be the top back. I mean, if, you know, he is that type of player, and I love that you have him at four. Yeah, um, yeah. Just you know, one last one last thing about Kamara is that the the opportunity for him to maintain the targets. I mean, you saw how many targets Michael Thomas got. Like that's you know he's going to get fed. And they bring in Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I did, but I don't think Emmanuel Sanders coming in has any impact on Camara whatsoever. So I do think that they'll continue to feed him. And I, and I think that's one change that you're going to see in the Bengals offense this year uh, with Joe Mixon. Um, you know, that, that workload's been ramped up. You know, he's, he's been getting more carries throughout the course of his you know, first three seasons. You know, of course, he didn't have the, the backfield all to himself in 2017. It was, you know, a lot of Gio Bernard and whatnot. But there's, you know, there's still – the opportunity for him to really expand his role in the passing game. And you want to look at something comparable, um, you know, look at the way that this LSU offense and I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong for using this as a comparison, but because it could be arguably like maybe the best college passing attack we've ever seen, but you know, the way they use Clyde Edwards Slayer and the way that I think the Bengals could use Joe Mixon, uh, definitely appealing to me, man. I mean, uh, and you think about, you know, how young Joe Mixon still is, um, you know, he's only 23. I mean, he's only two years older than Clyde Edwards Slayer. So it's, he's still got a lot of miles to go um, before he's getting worn out. 
And I feel like that's where the opportunity is right there is in the passing game. I mean, if you go back and watch Joe Mixon's receptions from 2019, I mean, he just looks electric with the, when he gets the ball out of the backfield like that. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. Um, maybe I have Mixon a little too high as being a top five guy, but I'm really relying on that offense to kind of evolve and take a huge step forward. I kind of like what the Bengals have done. Um, you know, they did have a lot of injuries last year. And let's, let's not forget, like, they lost their first-round pick last year, who was their left tackle. Um, you know, the, and he's going to be back this year. You know, A.J. Green didn't play a, a damn snap. So right. that's going to be kind of nice. Uh, defenses won't be able to really key in on Mixon as much. So they kind of there's there's other people they have to worry about, and now they have this young gunslinger in Burrow. So I'm very excited for some of those things, and that's the only reason I have Mixon, um, you know, above Henry. And for Henry, it's same thing as Zeke. It's that it's that volume, it's that workload. Um, I, I think that the the scenario there's two scenarios here in Tennessee. You know, there's going to be scenario A. Henry comes out, he's an absolute monster. He wins the rushing title again. He's scoring, you know, 18 touchdowns and he gets re-signed. But then there's that other scenario where he does all this, where the Titans completely just run him into the ground on this franchise tag and make him earn every bit of that $10 million. And then maybe it's Darrington Evans backfield next year. You know, you just, you never know in today's NFL, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, but, right. but yeah, it's, you know, Mixon, I think is going to still offer uh, more in the passing game, even though he has kind of a limited track record in producing, you know, only 43 catches two years ago, 35 last year. Right. But that's, that's where he really has the chance to take this leap coming into this, uh, you know, 2020 season. Whereas Henry, uh, hopefully it's not more of the same, um, you know, I'd like to see, I want to call him Arthur Smith, but the, uh, the Titans offensive coordinator, um, you know, I just, I really like what he's been doing. So I'm hoping that they can get Henry a little bit more involved in the passing game. Um, that would be nice to see because he, he like Mixon isn't like they're complete. They're two completely different people. Like, don't like, don't, I don't want to like mistake that I'm comparing their abilities with, with the, you know, yards after catch, you know, but it's they're Cause they are, they're, they're two completely different people, but you know, Henry is that guy that if he's getting the ball out of the backfield like that, you know, people are scared to tackle him. Whereas people can't tackle Mixon. Like he makes it impossible. So right. it's very exciting to see kind of the difference and, Hopefully they can both take a step forward, but I think the uh, I think Mixon makes up so much ground over Henry um, with an increase in in rushing attempts and an increase in in catches and targets as well. Yeah, I'm with you on Mixon, man. I have him at six. Um, nice. And, and we were talking about you know having just an increased workload in the passing game. Sixty targets. Talking about earlier would be ideal. Um, and, you know, yeah, I think it's okay to use that LSU, um, you know, season kind of as a sample because, you know, Zach Taylor is going to want to make it very comfortable for uh, Burrow. And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's almost like the elephant in the room. Uh, why, why is Joe Mixon not being used in the passing game? I think it finally comes together. Like you said, he's going to be 24 coming into the season. So it's time. He's had a few years under his belt now, um, and, you know, he's, he's ready to go. Um, so I think he's primed. I think a lot of people are kind of sensing that um, because this offense can be very good, like you, you pointed out. Like with A.J. Green, if he can be even 70% of A.J. Green, that's still a very good receiver for Joe Burrow. Uh, and then you have John Ross still there, Tyler Boyd, uh, and T. Higgins. It's a lot of weapons. I mean, this is a very good receiver core. So, um, yeah, let's see what they can do with it. I think Mixon, you know, 60 targets, I think it's realistic. And if he gets there, then you're talking about him being in this conversation of top, top six, top five back. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And that's – dude, I'm excited that uh, you have Mixon as your, as your number six. Yeah, man, um, yeah. I put the uh, – you saw the hot take Twitter page. I, I have Mixon as the banner now. 
I, and I oh, didn't even fantastic. know that I didn't know you, you had him this high. Uh, so I, I think, you know, I think it's time, you know, it, it's, it's time for the Joe Mixon breakout. Yeah. Is it, I mean, is it really a hot take or is it just like this? It's his time. Like uh, we'll see, man. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> um, so that was five and Dalvin cook has to be at six, right? Uh, well, I have Henry at six. Okay. Um, got you it. know, I just, I just talked about Henry. So I'll yes. kind of, I'll transition into cook. Um, okay. Cook all if, the way down at seven. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys talked about this. I mean, you know, he is a full year older than Mixon. Um, you know, he did get uh, more, more use in college, which I know really isn't that important. I really don't. I really shouldn't even have said that because that's—it's <laughs> not even. It really doesn't bear any factor. But I mean, the dude—the dude was beat up all the time in college. He was injured all the time, um, you know. And coming into his fourth season, just like Mixon, um, you know, last year was the first time he ever had more than 200 carries. And I mean, they ran the ball a lot and it was pretty obvious with some of the changes on the offensive coordinator side of the ball at the end of 2018, that that's what Mike Zimmer wanted to do. And, uh, you know, that's what uh, Kevin Stefanski did was, you know, run the ball. And I mean, that's absolutely out of instruction by his head coach that that was the game plan. Um, but, you know, kudos to him for staying healthy all year, but, but dude, still, in his first three seasons, I mean, this guy's averaging nine games a year for you. So, um, you know, four wow. games his rookie year. He played, okay. uh, you know, 11 games, you know, 2018. So for that, the chances, you know, and, I, and I've looked at a couple, you know, whether you're using inside injuries or one of these other, you know, medical websites. Um, when you look at the myriad of injuries that Dalvin Cook has had to deal with, yeah. The chances of recurrence for him are in like the 96th, 95th percentile on all of these sites. Like, so if you think that I am going to invest, you know, a first round <laughs> pick in Dalvin Cook, it a is top, a top not, four pick. A no, top, it is yeah. not happening. And, right. and I hate that um, because in the past, you know, I've said that, hey, you know, people are always injury prone until they prove they're not. But, I mean, hey, you know, he put it together for most of the season last year. Yes, um, 14 you know, games. Right, and, you know, he did great. I mean, you know, uh, what was he at? Four and a half yards of carry. Um, you know, still decent. I mean, he's been declining in the yards per carry department every year. But um, I thought it was nice to see Cook actually get, you know, some run in the pass game. Um, but, you know, with actually getting, you know, 63 targets last year. Well, that's, uh, he was that's pretty efficient. With, yeah, that's exactly. That's the thing with Cook is he is efficient. Um, and in the in 2018, where when he had when he played 10 games, or I'm sorry, 11 games, you liked what he gave you in those games. <laughs> and even in his rookie season, when he played four games, you were very excited about what Dalvin Cook was about to be. Um, so then we finally got in 2019. So yeah, I I hear what you're saying. I think over the course of his career, though, he has been very consistent and efficient when he's on the field. Um, so if we get 14 again, I think we're happy. But it's funny, Josh, you know, I have him at the back end of my tier one, right? So let's say the top four there. Um, but let's say I'm at pick four, and those three backs are off the board. I'm probably leaning towards Camara. Uh, I'm leaning towards Camara because I want the upside of, I think he can be the number one back in the league with – 80 receptions like we're thinking you know I think he can get around 80 receptions again so if he gets mm -hmm. that I'm happy especially because I think he'll get you know more carries I don't think that they're going to lean on Latavius Murray um so you know I, I I would go Kamara just because I want that upside but the reality is if Cook can give you 250 carries plus be using the passing game um and plus the way that the Vikings want to use the running back in the red zone it is an is incredible value. Uh, not that the Saints don't use Camara, but just you know, just for um, comparison's sake, I think that's the argument for Dalvin Cook being a top five guy. But then I see your side completely. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess my point by ranking him this low, which I'm not really trying to make a point, but <laughs> the the thing I don't understand is why he's up at three or four on a lot of people's um, rankings in 
PPR because he has to do what he did last year and then some. But he only had two touchdowns in his first two seasons. And then last year he went off for 13. Um, Do I think that that's normal? No, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. He's probably going to get eight or nine scores, you know, especially if he does repeat 14 or 15 games played. Um, You know, I'm not, we're not trying to call the guy a pussy or anything. I mean, running, (laughs) you know, running back is like the hardest position to play uh, from a physical beating standpoint, I think in any sport, you know, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely takes a toll on your body. There's, there's no doubt about it, but he's, he has to deliver close to those 13 touchdowns and he has to go over those 1100 yards. And that's the thing with 250 carries. Um, usually if I'm spending a top five pick on a running back, I'm not, I'm expecting 250 carries to be the norm. And I'm expecting, you know, north of, you know, 1,250 yards, um, right. not just shy of, you know, or just, just ahead of 1,100. So it's well, – uh, And there's also the Alexander Madison factor, which exists. So he's still going to get 100 carries. Maybe he gets used a little bit more. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah, it would have been nice to see Madison stay healthy when Cook went down. Um, yeah. Would have really liked to seen him kind of, you know, get a full workload, you know, over a couple of weeks while Cook got back and uh, healthy again. But, uh, but hey, it was Mike Boone season before we all knew it. Right, for better or worse. Um, <laughs> so let's get into your number eight back, and let's try to go a little quicker here with the last three. Um, who is your number eight back? Yeah, number eight, I have Austin Eckler. Um, okay, kind of, wow, I'm, okay kind of for the same reasons like we were talking about with Jarvis Landry. I mean, this guy just came off of, uh, based on how your league scores, he was a top five back. Some leagues he was, you know, a top three back. So, you know, you and I have talked about this before on the show. You know, people have the stigma that Tyrod doesn't throw it to the running backs, you know, and he he doesn't really like to throw to the tight ends. He loves – he still throws to the running backs. You know, we saw when LaShawn McCoy was in Buffalo, you know, he had those seasons where – you know, he was still hauling in 50, 59 catches. Um, you right. know, and I mean, that's, that's going to be a massive drop in, uh, in Eckler's value if, if he gets into like, you know, 50 and 60, but, right. I, but I think it's going to be a lot more of what we saw last year, maybe not to that extreme, but then again, I'm not ranking him as a, you know, top three or top five guy. Yeah. But, I don't uh, think the pass catching goes away for Eckler, you know? Well, yeah, they pay, they paid the dude. Yeah. So, I mean, they still have Justin Jackson, who I like. And, you know, I like that they, uh, that they brought in, uh, you know, another running back. So, it's, so there's still some competition there. But Josh Kelly. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they're not, you know, they're not asking Eckler to, to carry the load. You know, he'll probably, he'll probably have an uptick in carries now that Gordon is gone. I mean, why, you know, why wouldn't you give him, you know, a chance with, with how well he was uh, with how well he performed last year, but, but yeah, man, Austin Eckler at uh running back eight in a PPR. Uh, yeah. I, I, I still think he's going to haul in a lot of catches. Yeah. I, uh, I've drafted Josh Kelly in three spots already in two dynasty. So both of my rookie drafts so far and been in the best ball league that I'm in with you. So I have 100% Josh Kelly which means that I have Austin Eckler a little bit lower. You have Eckler the highest of me, Michael, and, and Michael. So he had him at 10, though. He, he had him at 10. I just don't have him on, on my top 10. Yeah, um, thank, I, was gonna, I was about to call him Josh Gordon, and I knew that wasn't right. So, <laughs> God, thanks for the save. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that the, the pass catching isn't going away. Um, I, I'm, I'm just, I wonder how he's going to be used on the ground. I mean, he should be the lead dog there. So it seems like what's going to happen is it, he's going to lose some targets, but he's going to get more carries. That's kind of how I see it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, like he's still going to be used in the passing game. That's, he's not going away there at all. Um, so in PPR, he's definitely a great play. Uh, you're just, like, again, you're just going to have to pay for him uh, this year. <laughs> if, yeah, you want, no doubt. if you want if you want austin eckler you're gonna have to pay for him and you're gonna, you know. <laughs> yeah there's yeah there's no contract holdouts you know siphoning value away for us this year so he's he, you got to pay up a little bit but he could still be a big value man you so still what, get a couple rounds yeah let me see what his adp is actually real quick and we'll play a little this or that uh before we move on um let's see 205 yeah that sounds about right okay so okay you're on the clock 
Yeah, I'll look up this current best ball that I'm in right now. And he went phenomenal. Okay. Oh, he went 107. That's why I was looking in second round. Wow. Okay. I'm not even going to talk about that. So let's say you're on the clock. <laughs> PPR, uh, Chris Godwin or Austin Eckler? Man, if it's, yeah, if it's PPR, I'm, I'm probably, if I, if it's second round and I, it's, if I already have a running back, I'm probably going Godwin. But if I already have a receiver, I'm probably going Eckler. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I think I'm going Godwin most times there. Um, let's say Julio drops a little bit because he's going at the 202. Would you take Julio or Eckler? I'd probably still take Julio there. Um, I know Julio is like 31, but it's, uh, I'm still very comfortable with, the, with his production. Okay. All right. Yeah, and Miles Sanders is actually in ADP ahead of Austin Eckler at this point. He's at the 203 right behind Nick Chubb, according to Fantasy Football Calculator in PPR. So Miles Sanders hype is definitely getting out of control. Uh, Eckler was your eight. Who is your nine? Uh, I actually have this one. That, speaking of Miles Sanders, that was so tough. I couldn't decide between uh, Drake at nine or Sanders at nine, and I ended up going with Drake. Okay. And basically just because, you know, of what we saw last year, he was absolutely magic when he came, came into the Cardinals offense. And, you know, to be honest, he was, he was good when we saw him play in Miami. So, you know, yeah. when, when he was given a chance, that is, um, you know, just put him on that long list of players that uh, had their fantasy value completely tanked by Adam Gase. Um, but, you know, old crazy eyes is gone and <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to contend with that. David Johnson is gone. Um, and I think that's kind of the point that a lot of people are building this high ranking on is that, you know, Kenyon Drake was doing all this when David Johnson was, you know, I would say relatively healthy. So it wasn't like David Johnson was sitting there on IR. Um, you know, Chase Edmonds is still there and they did bring in, you know, Benjamin, but you know, we look at how explosive Drake was and yeah. just kind of, it really didn't matter who the running back was in Arizona early last year, David Johnson looked great. He yep. looked like the guy that we remembered and then he got hurt right. and then Chase Edmonds come in and he absolutely explodes and they make the deal for Drake. He doesn't even, I think he's on the team for like three or four days and just balls out. Right. So it could be more a function of the offense and that's fine with me, man, if we're going to get more of this running back production. So Arizona RB one equals an, a fantasy RB one. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take Kenyon drink as top 10. Oh man. Uh, you're, you're really, uh, you're really talking to me here because I have Kenyon Drake at, at nine as well. Um, there you go. And I'm big on chase Edmonds because I think that he has standalone value just because I think that he can still be used. Um, he's not going to give you week to week value, but he is, I think he could still be on any roster as even if you want to take one of your last pick, um, you still, you still take that um, and see how they use him. Um, and then, you know, if they're not at all, then you can dump him. But you know, he's obviously a, a great handcuff at this point. Um, but you know, you said it, the RB one of the Cardinals and that's who Kenyon Drake is. So as long as that is the case, I, I'm with you. I, I want every part of that. So I have him as nine at nine as well. Yeah. Another guy. I don't think that uh, up, a big uptick in targets and receptions is completely, you know, being irresponsible. I mean, I think that's, he's another guy like Mixon where, you know, maybe he could get 70, 75 catches. I mean, you saw right. last year, and eight games with the Cardinals, he had 28. And, you know, I mean, he only he only started 10 games total. And most of those were, uh, you know, with the cards. But, you know, he, he just didn't get a lot of run. He looked great early in the season. And, I mean, he still hauled in 50 catches split between basically starting 10 games. Um, so, pretty impressive, man. So, I, I'm really looking forward to a beefed-up passing attack and, you know, some beefed-up passing game numbers from Drake as well. Yeah. And then – you so your number ten is Miles Sanders, guilty. Yes, and <laughs> you know I, I mean had they had the Eagles landed Carlos Hyde, um, you know we probably wouldn't be talking. I'd probably 
I don't know. It'd be tough, but it, I can't, when you look and I guess instead of talking about Miles Sanders, um, because the guy does everything well. And, you know, this time last year, Doug Peterson was talking about going against the grain. Like what we've always seen Doug Peterson do is use a committee approach. And he mentioned, Oh, like, I think we finally got our guy, like our, our lead guy. And, you know, Jordan Howard did great until, you know, he hurt his shoulder. And then that's when we kind of saw Miles Sanders take off. So I don't think it's unreasonable to see a repeat of his performance. I mean, he's a, just a phenomenal pass blocker. He's a, he's, you know, an efficient receiver out of the backfield. But for me, what this top 10 ranking came down to, if I can be completely honest, it's really not anything to do with Miles Sanders. It's just that him, Drake, and Nick Chubb were all kind of clustered in this area. And I'm not comfortable putting Nick Chubb as a top 10 running back. I know that the dude finished second in rushing basically last year. At least he was you know, about to, about to get the rushing record until he got like eight carries in the last week or whatever it was, which was ridiculous. Um, I, you got to be pissed if you're Nick Chubb, if you had a shot at the rushing title and you basically uh, weren't even given a chance. But, um, right. you know, long story short, once, once Kareem Hunt came back after his suspension, but he was producing like an RB2. And, you know, RB2, even in a 10-team league, I mean, that's outside the top 10. I mean, easy math, I did that in my head. But <laughs> that's, that's not a guy I'm comfortable putting at 10. So I was just a little more – I felt like Sanders was a little more safe. But who knows, they could sign Devontae Freeman next week. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm just completely ripping these rankings apart. Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about my boy, which I really you're, – you're offending me um, in my boy Nick Chubb. <laughs> so I really don't appreciate that. Um, my bad. I had him. I have him at eight, and that was very. Michael's very surprised by that too. I'm sticking with it because Nick Chubb is a great NFL running back, and he's going to be continu- He's going to continue to be that even with Kareem Hunt. Um, in my opinion, that's all. You know, I mean, I think that people are seeing that the back half of last year. I get it. You know, Kareem Hunt came in, and he's going to be used. Um, he can still be a top thirty running back. And he will be, uh, but you know Nick Chubb is still going to be used. He's still going to get 270 carries. So I have him at eight. I have Drake at nine, uh, just like you. And I didn't put Miles San- Miles Sanders on here. I put Le'Veon Bell. Okay, that, that, I know that that, uh, that got Michael earlier, but I just think the volume, man. I think he's going to keep getting the the workload. Um, and then if they can actually stretch the field a little bit. With an improved offensive line, which I think they really improved, you know, drafting. Um, I think his name is Mackay. Uh, Mackay Becton. Mackay Becton. Um, you know, I, I think that was a great pick for this team. So I, I think that he'll have more opportunity this year. So I'm, I'm ready for Le'Veon Bell to have a bounce back season. Yeah, the, you know, I already told you how I feel about Adam Gase. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's that's my my one concern. And then what really scared the shit out of me was when they signed Frank Gore. And I I mean, dude, say what you want about Frank Gore, but every single year, you know, we, we talk about, we, you know, we laugh about it when he signs this one year deal with whoever it is. And then all he does is get like, you know, 30% of the carries and we get pissed. So, I mean, he just, I don't know, man. Coaches right. seem to love the guy, and right. he does everything well. You know, he's, he's <laughs> another guy like Miles Sanders. Like, he does everything well, and he's been doing it for so long that I feel like it's – I feel like it's an it's a thing where coaches can just – they can trust Frank Gore, and yeah. that's the only reason that I'm not high on – well, not the only reason. Adam Gase is public enemy number one for fantasy owners. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I mean that's that's really because I mean, dude, you you can th- lump him in there. You get to Drake, Sanders, Chubb. Um, these guys are all tough, man. They're all really tough to kind of rank um, because I feel like it is you know league specific. Um, you know, but when we are talking PPR, dude, I hope so. I mean, if they don't use Le'Veon Bell more, then they just kind of wasting their money. But 
Well, if he, gets, if he gets 66 receptions again, uh, and let's say that 789 yards just improves to around 1,000, and then those three touchdowns go to six or seven, I mean, that's, pre- that's realistic. And if he does that, he's, he's going to be around that top 10. Mm-hmm. That, like, that would put him around that top 10 because he was 16 last year in PPR. With because of the sixty six receptions again, so just keep that there. Um, you know, no one touchdown that department, four hundred sixty one yards. So I mean, like, with, the thing was with Adam Gase is not just that he doesn't give the ball to his talented guys as like when he should. Um, you know, the, the volume that we want, it's the situation as well. You know, there, he doesn't put his players in position to. Oh, absolutely. And that, you know, it was hard to do that with Le'Veon Bell this year, especially with the offensive line, which was really, really shitty. <laughs> so yeah. That, like, you know, that just doesn't work with a guy like Bell who sits in the backfield for a little bit to see what's going on. But it can work on a, in a downfield situation where he has that space. And if they can work that left side with uh, the left tackle that they brought, brought in, it can work. You know, Denzel Mims, if they use him, Brashard, Perryman, these guys are – built to stretch the field so it, it really can work i don't know i just frank gore is a good point because he's just going to get 150 carries and <laughs> i mean like that's right you know, he, he's going to do that to you so it's a great it, you point. know it is though it's it's lady on bell can be kind of like a polarizing topic because like people people want to paint him as like a knucklehead or an idiot because he kind of like took it took an l on like however many millions from that holdout with Pittsburgh, but yeah. you know, and he's got a rap album and whatever, dude. Like I, he went to, he went to Michigan state. So like, I love the kid. Like when he was at Michigan right. state, that was like the art, that was the most talented backfield I've ever seen in East Lansing. And they just didn't give him the ball enough. And it was like, so when the Steelers drafted him, I'm like, of, co- of course, that's a, that's a total Steelers pick. And right. then he just explodes. But if you're Le'Veon Bell, dude, you have to be not only frustrated that like this time last year your head coach is like oh I didn't want to sign the guy and then you know so so that really paints like an awful picture and then the fact that they really never seem to like adjust their scheme at all to fit (laughs) like his patient you know I mean because he's he's gonna sit there and he's gonna kind of bounce a little bit and then attack a hole and they really just kind of ran the same stuff that we see Adam Gase offenses running Right. Um, uh, but I don't know, man, I've never seen, I've never seen one coach ride one successful season with like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to so many head coaching gigs. It's kind of ridiculous, but, uh, but I digress, man. The, um, I guess the last thing that I wanted to say was, uh, my concern with Nick Chubb and I didn't want, I didn't mean to come in here and hurt your feelings, bro. You did. But and, and and I realized it's too late for that, so I want I want to back this up with some hardcore evidence um, because I love Nick Chubb, dude. Like, and I and I get the Browns' approach by tendering uh, Hunt with a second round tender. Um, you know, they could have done the original round, but with when you compare like the talent and the compensation level, I mean, some team was going to swoop in and and offer Kareem Hunt a deal if they didn't do that. So, I mean, I was pretty right. smart by Cleveland, I feel like, to do that. So, you, you kind of had to bring him back on a second-round tender. Right. And, and and then at that point, I mean, that's that's where all the running backs get drafted, you know, coming out. Uh, the premier running backs are going in the second round in every draft now in the last few right. years. So. But once, you know, once Hunt came back, I mean, Chubb was just steadily from week three on uh, getting, you know, 20 plus carries a game. And once Hunt came back, you know, 16, 15, 17, 15. And then, of course, the infamous 13 carries when you're in a, a hunt for a rushing title um, to finish just shy of even 1,500. I mean, Jesus, like, come <laughs> on, Freddie Kitchens, at least get him to 1,500. Right. But, you know, he was in there blowing out like, you know, five, five yards a carry last year. I mean, Nick Chubb is a stud, dude, but there's just, there's just so much concern for me between Kareem Hunt getting some carries and especially in PPR, man, I think Kareem Hunt is just an awesome PPR asset to get kind of in those mid rounds. Um, Whereas I'm just a little bit leery on Chubb being in my top 10. So that's, that's, that's all. I just want to kind of like not, not sugarcoat it. Well said, man. You know, I I think that's, that's the thought process with Nick Chubb and I get it. I, I, you know, I really do. Um, I can see that, you know, we know that that, 
target share is going to be limited. We already know that, you know, so uh, going into your drafts, you have to consider that if you're in the PPR league, do you want to take Nick Chubb who I have above Kenyon Drake, or do you want the guy who's going to get the work in the passing game? Right. Um, so I, I get that. Uh, but you know, like I said, 1500 yards, if, if he can give me, even if he gives me 1400 yards, I think those touchdowns go up a, a little bit based on how often they were in the red zone and how often they failed getting Chubb into the end zone. I think that goes up a little bit this year. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking that he's still the same back with, you know, maybe 275 carries. Um, but still, that, that workload you love, you know, as your RB1. I know. It just sucks that Kareem Hunt's even there. Like, yeah, I just would love to see. I mean, who knows? This time next year, it could be Nick Chubb having the uh, backfield to himself. I mean, that would be, that would be fantastic because he certainly knocked the ball out of the park there in the first 11 weeks of the season last year. Yeah, exactly. And it's like if the, the thing is that I said in this before Kareem Hunt got there is that Nick Chubb is going to have to lose this job. Like he's going to have to lose carries and not be getting that 15, 16, 17 carry games by not playing well. That's the only thing that's going to stop this. So do you believe that Nick Chubb will continue to play well? Because they'll still give him that 16, 17 carry game. Um, and as long as they do that, that's when, you know, you have an opportunity for a, a top 10 discussion. But if he, if Kareem Hunt just plays outstanding and they have to have, you know, him on the field, I just don't see that happening. You know, that's what I'm, you know, that's where I'm, my thought process is. It's like, they're not going to want to take carries away from Chubb or um, snap, snaps from Chubb. Um, I think they're going to do a good job of using both of them this year. And I'm kind of looking forward to that. So if they both use both correctly, then I I don't think there's any question that, you know, one of the most talented backs in the league could be a top 10 back. Yeah. And let me, let me paint the silver lining after I shit all over your hopes and dreams. (laughs) Um, You know, in the, in the seven games that the Browns gave Chubb 17 carries or less, the record, was one and six so right you know that says quite a bit about you know what they're able to do when he's having success yeah it's very similar to the titans with derrick henry you know i mean it's going to be a game script you know you have to you have to worry about that too because if they're down in games you know i can see that's when chubb will lose snaps if they go into a shotgun package and kareem hunt is on the field and things are working that's when things will, you know, get hairy. And that could be quite a bit. But, you know, you know we'll see. We'll see. I, there's a lot of different scenarios there. Um, you know, it, you have to – can you say, can I count on this guy, you know, being my RB1? With Chubb, I think he's still that guy. And we should also mention that, you know, you and I, my friend, are going to be on the Scott Fishbowl Podathon. Um, which I was very happy to get my Scott Fishbowl invite. And I am looking forward to seeing you there as well. Um, yeah, a couple, uh, couple of conference finalists here. That's right. Yep. Uh, dude, I, was, I didn't even lose a game <laughs> until like weeks 15 or something. And I was like, huh, <laughs> I could have went undefeated? Man, <laughs> I was so surprised. Like, that, that team really, that was my best team um, of all my leagues. And it was probably one of your better teams too. Yeah. Luckily um, being snake bit snake bitten by the Andrew Luck pick and Antonio Brown picks. uh, You know, you'd think that would take a team pretty quickly, but luckily, I mean, I blew all my fab early and uh, we'll, we'll save this for when we have uh, Scott fishbowl nine champ Gary Haddo on the, on the show. But uh, yeah, man, if it wasn't for mustache mania and DJ Chark with all my fab money, I mean, you never, you never think that anyone's going to say, boy, that Jacksonville passing attack saved my season. Right. But, uh, but it did indeed, man. It kept me very competitive after starting off 0-2. Um, and then I went on a major win streak. And next thing you know, man, like me, you, Rad Thad, and Gary were all in the conference finals. And, uh, of course, Gary took it down. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, man. So I can't wait to have him on and talk about that. A little, little sneak peek for the listeners. Most definitely, most definitely. Yes, sir. All right, yeah. On behalf of Josh Daly, uh, my name is Stephen Taroni. Thanks for listening. This has been the Hot Day Podcast.